Fear wants to just overwhelm every one of us. But when we understand the move of God, deliverance takes place and wholeness and healing happens in our lives. So the questions that I want to begin with as we begin a new series, and I'll explain it in a moment, is what has God said to you in the past? What is he saying to you today? Another question, who are you? What did God create you to be? Do you understand the amazing abilities God has given you? These are abilities God gave you to move into and to experience the magnificent power of our God and the planned purpose in your life. So another question, what is that unique purpose God has planned for you to walk in? So what we're going to do is we're going to begin to unpack all of this, and we're going to talk about people in the Bible. And we're going to title this series, The Real Heroes. The Real Heroes. We have always been enamored by and with heroes. Every year we see another movie about these people. Some of you of my age, in my day, Superman. Not the new ones. They're nothing compared to the old ones. Batman. How many of you remember Green Hornet and Cato? Man, those were tough dudes. I mean, Batman carried around shark repellent, all kinds of stuff. For some of you remember the movie. Today we have the Avengers. Many heroes, the Hulk, Iron Man, Thor, Black Widow, Captain America, and Superman. Do you remember of old Superman able to leap tall buildings in a single bound? Man, what a hero he was. Stronger than a locomotive, faster than a speeding bullet. I mean, that was so awesome. We love heroes, don't we? And we should. But uh, let me just disclaimer here. You do realize that all of those on the movies are fictitious? You realize that, right? <clears throat> okay, I, I, just, I just needed to ask. So no one can leap tall buildings in a single bound, right? And no one can do what Thor does either. But Again, that doesn't mean in our lives we don't have heroes. And I want to explain what a hero is. I I think sometimes we have a tendency to put the title of hero on too many people and for, I think, sometimes for the wrong reasons. There are heroes living around us today. I think of our military giving their lives, serving our country. I think about firemen going into burning buildings, and they really can't leap tall buildings with a single bound. I pray all the time, thank you for the men and women that give their lives to our cities, our, our you know, just everything in, in our lives the police, educators, school teachers, moms and dads. I I begin to watch and how we have a tendency to disband real heroes. 
and what real heroes are all about. Business owners who sacrifice many things in their lives and then later on maybe make millions of dollars. But they created hundreds and even thousands of jobs for you and me who can feed and enjoy life as God has planned. How about leaders in our churches? So the question is then, what is a hero? A hero is an ordinary person that does extraordinary things. A hero is someone we look up to and inspire to be like. It is a person that helps us believe in something more for our own lives. So what I'm wanting to show you, a hero is someone that does extraordinary things that inspires us to live a life that was purposed by God, of a blessing, of being a blessing, touching other lives and ministering to others. So a hero is a good thing. Let's not allow the world to disband the real meaning of a hero. So again, we're going to take about six weeks And we're going to look at true biblical heroes and what we can learn from them. What they realized, what they learned in their life. And in many instances, you'll see that they had weaknesses, that they they made wrong decisions at time. But but in time, they realized the purposes of God in their lives. And they did small or large things and in history became a hero and someone that inspired others to be like them, even though God, we're going to learn, has created us as individuals with unique abilities, with a unique purpose. So here's the truth. There is a theme in this series. God created every one of us and put his vision and dreams in us to live out an extraordinary life. You are to be somebody's hero. Whether it be your grandchild, great-grandchild, your son, your daughter, maybe your parents, your co-worker, your friend, that you are to become a hero for them, that God purposed you and gave you gifts and abilities to touch the lives of so many people that are around you. When I say so many people, maybe it's not like Billy Graham that millions were touched. Maybe it's that one that became a a Billy Graham that you touched. Precious, I'm believing great things for you that you understand the heart of God, the heart of God that you are precious to him And he has a very unique purpose for you. And you will become a hero for other people that will never be able to face what you faced in your childhood. That's the God we serve. He can take things that the enemy meant for bad and turn it around and cause you to be the hero for that one person or the many people that you touch. You are to be somebody's hero. There is greatness in every one of you. That sounds like a cliche, but I'm sounding out, listen very closely. He's whispering at times as he's saying, you have greatness in you, and I want to use you to do that great thing. That's the Holy Spirit speaking. So today, let's kind of explore the life of John the Baptist, or lovingly known as Johnny B. So turn your Bibles to Mark 1 and John chapter 1. And now John was Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. He was born six months before Jesus was born. When he was in his mother's, uh, Elizabeth's womb, uh, Mary had just conceived, 
and hadn't told anybody, but Elizabeth and the experience that we read about, uh, when she came up to Mary, John the Baptist literally jumped in her womb because of Jesus being in the womb of Mary. She realized that Mary had conceived Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So let's read Mark chapter 1, verse 1 through 6, regarding John the Baptist. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remissions of sins. Notice a specific purpose that took place, preparing the way for Jesus Christ to move. There is a specific purpose in your life that prepares the area that you're in for Jesus Christ to move in other people's lives. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. Now, so the question is, what made John the Baptist a hero? So let me give you Three points, as I normally do, sometimes two, but normally three points. But let's call these today realizations. Something that John the Baptist realized. First, that he was created. If you're going to be someone's hero, you're going to understand that God created you. And God has a specific purpose for you, and it is great. John the Baptist was a unique creation. He was a -a one-of-a-kind individual. He lived in a desert. He preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And he called down Herod for living in adultery. Now, back then, you don't do those things because you die. Well, John the Baptist died because he did that. He was ultimately beheaded. He didn't desire to be a popular voice, didn't desire to be famous. So he would preach (laughs) exactly what God called him to preach. He ate locust. He wore camel skin. He was a -a one-of-a-kind dude. The reason he was able to do this life is he knew he was created uniquely by God to live a unique way. He did not question at all the reason why he did what he did. Here's my statement and my charge to you today. You are a unique creation of God and of the billions of people that ever lived There is only one of you. I want you to recognize this. Sounds like a cliche. You've heard these type of messages. You heard, you read signs in stores about these unique cliches about who you are and the greatness you are. I want to tell you the creator of the universe who created you has created you uniquely. And John recognize this. Nobody that has ever lived has what you have. Fingerprints are different than anybody else. Did you know that your heartbeat is different than everybody else? Your DNA. How God shaped and formed us is unique. So think about it. I'm going to get to what I want to say here, but I want you to begin to, um, if there is any deception, is there, if there's anything of 
inability or insecurity of what I'm saying to you, that you have a tendency to block these type of messages from you. In Jesus' name, I come against the spirit of deception, and I want to loose the revelation of the creation that God gave you, what he did in you, the the abilities, the giftings that he's given you is so unique and so powerful, but many people go to the grave without utilizing these. Why? Because they don't believe it. And in Jesus' name, I release you to totally understand the greatness that God has given you. When God made you, he also broke the mold. Some of you know some people, you say, praise God, there's not going to be another one of those. (laughs) He broke the mold and said, that's perfect. I'm pausing there because he broke the mold, Carlos, and said, that's perfect. Pastor Angel, that's perfect. Michelle, that's perfect. Elizabeth, it's perfect. Pastor Nolan, perfect. Perfectly shaped head. I don't think we get it. I really don't. I don't think we get this. We're not talking about walking around, you know, puffed up, our shoulders back, and look how awesome I am. I'm talking about coming in agreement with what God did. That you had nothing to do with it. God did this. He created you uniquely. Now, because we don't get it, it's about not only you, but it's about your family, it's about your neighbors, it's about your coworkers are unique also. And those people might be the only ones that you reach. But you won't be able to reach them in God's plan if you don't understand that you were created by God very uniquely. Job 10.8, watch what is said here. Your hands, remember what Job goes through in all kinds of statements. There are statements he says in the spirit, and there are some statements he says in the flesh. All right, so watch the powerful thing of the spirit, and then watch the flesh talk. Here's the spirit. Your hands have made me and fashioned me an intricate unity. Then he says, yet you would destroy me. I have two kids and, well, I guess four kids now because of marriage, and eight grandkids. I don't father or grandfather them the same way. Now, here's what I'm talking about. Here's what we're trying to get to is the principles are the same, but the specifics, I don't do it the same. Because each one is uniquely created by God, and I work with them differently. When Jill was born, you put her to bed, and she just, she's gone. Now, because you know Pastor Ryan a little bit better, you lay him down. I mean, I still see it today. He's... He's leading worship and he's leading the whole function and looking at sound, listening to the drums, doing all this, making sure everything's functioning. See once in a while, you know, if something gets off, he starts doing this and, you know, all the different things that he does, right? And so I'd put him to bed, good night, son, I love you, kiss him on the cheek, and I start walking away, I look back, and he's like, and... The moment I walked out of the door, he started yelling, not yelling, he started singing. Well, really, he was yelling. But that was just practice for today. 
And so I'd go back in there, and then the moment I step in the door, he'd go, ah, and just watch me. And I'm telling you, I know because I've watched him where his eyes were bloodshot. I mean, literally red. And he'd be like this, I'm not going to sleep. (laughs) The Lord's done a good work in him now, but you know, it's... We are all unique. We really are. And you're going to hear this throughout the whole theme of this series. So the question is, why did God shape me the way I am? Here's your answer. God formed and shaped you for a purpose. There is a reason why you are here. What is that? Who you've been listening to? Who you've been listening to? Because God has specifically told you who you are, why He created you, and has given you vision and examples of a vision in your life. When you begin to understand this and what I said earlier, and you get this. So if you're building a house and you are putting up the frame of the house, you're nailing the lumber together, you would use a hammer, right? Well, smarter people would use a nail gun, but let's use the the hammer as an example. Why use a hammer? The hammer was made to do a particular function, a long handle, a mallet, you you know what a hammer looks like, and it's weighted. So when you hit the nail, it will drive the nail into the wood. That's why the hammer was made. But what's funny is in our lives, how many of you ever pounded in a nail with something else? Like a ratchet, another piece of wood? Right? Okay. So how many of us in our life have used other tools that God didn't give us to nail it. To live the life that God gave us. And we we do that because we don't know who we are, so we're trying to follow. Now, I want to follow John the Baptist because of the realizations, but I have to understand, I'm uniquely created. And there are things that I do well, and there are things that I don't. So why am I so concerned? Now, there are a lot of things I didn't do well. I worked hard, and I became good at it. But we're talking about the, the purpose of God, the, the, the literally uh, understanding of the very reason why I'm created. And when we get to that depth, the struggle was... The Holy Spirit told me to halt in saying this in the beginning because this Holy Spirit was speaking, but say it now. Is there too many distractions in our lives that is distracting us from what God said? Even though what we're distracted with is a good thing. We're not talking about things that are bad, things that are evil. Because we're born again. We know that. If it's evil, we stay away from it. We're smart. We're good believers. But the reality is, as we have to understand, there are things that are good that will distract us from the good thing God created you to be. We use something else. And then we wonder why it didn't go well. How many of you ever used uh, uh, a ratchet to pound a nail and the ratchet broke? How many people's lives are broken because they used the wrong tool? Okay, I'm, I'm pulling all the layers off of the deception of life now. All right, so let's, let's go a little bit further, and we're going to have a couple more realizations that will help us get there. But in our lives, in our kingdom of God ministry, 
listen to this. You can write this down. Function follows form. Function follows form. Here's why I said that. God formed you and or prepared you for a particular function. And if you don't understand the creation, what God created you to be, the form, then your function will be difficult. It's going to take a lot longer to build that house. So listen to this. In the same way God shaped us on purpose for something in particular, God shaped you with a particular something in mind. Not only he put purpose in you, but he has a reason and something in mind why you were formed the way you were. And when you function, this is what you were to do. This is what you were to experience in life. The young lady we're talking about, and Precious, I hope you're watching, is that there were so many distractions of people, inability of knowing who they were in her life. But God, through his infinite wisdom, caused someone to name her Precious so that today or the other day, I could tell her, you know why your name Precious? Because God caused whoever named you, she didn't even know who named her, to name you Precious so that I could tell you God's heart towards you. Amen. So John the Baptist was made perfectly to do what he was to do. He was wild as crazy. But his call on John's life was unique, and John was not a mistake. Let me say this to you. You've heard this before from me. You're not a mistake either. What you've gone through, where you've been, the choices you've made, the wrong choices you've made hasn't changed God's form and God's function and God's purpose. Here's what the Bible says about us, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. First Peter 4.10 in the Living Bible says, I was gifted for life and ministry. It says here, God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other. Passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. Hmm. Psalm 139, you know this. Pastor Dan, have you memorized this yet? Yeah, you have. I thought you had. All right, come on up and... No, just kidding. (laughs) Verse 13, For you created in my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I know that full well. Do you know that full well? My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. All you ladies are working with the the book journal that Terry wrote, the book of wars. And you're writing down what God has done, the victories that you've won. God shaped you on purpose. When all that junk happened in your life and maybe you made a wrong choice on it, but today you're here. Today you're watching, you're listening, and you're saying, there's something different about me. And so you can look back at the past and the wrong stuff and the mistakes, and then you can understand God didn't make a mistake, and that plan is still 100% available to you to live. We must be glad and accept the way God made us too. Breaks my heart 
when I hear people saying, well, you know, the reason why I can't do that is because just where I'm at, who I am, what I look like. This doesn't mean we don't take care of ourselves, but we don't use it as an excuse to say it's just the way I am. I'm going to say it again. We don't use the way we are as an excuse to say, just the way I am, I'm a jerk. No, God didn't create. He didn't purpose you to be a jerk. How many of you have known jerks in your life? Raise your hand. I'm a Christian. I can't say that because... The Bible says I love them, right? Okay. Some people say, well, I treat... People mean because that's how I am, and they don't understand me. That's not what I'm saying here, that you're unique. That's not what God is saying. What it really means is all of us need to pause. Here it is. We need to pause wherever we are at and accept the way God formed and created us to be. John the Baptist did that because he knew he was created by God. So we need to accept where we are. I'm not, I didn't tell you to accept it and stay there. I said we need to accept where we are, but then listen to the right person, the Holy Spirit, so that we know our next steps to walk in perfectly what God created us to be. Funny, in the book of Romans, chapter 9, verse 20 and 21, in the Message Bible, let me read this to you. Who in the world do you think you are to second-guess God? Do you for one moment suppose any of us knows enough to call God into question? Clay doesn't talk back to the fingers that mold it, saying, why did you shape me like this? Isn't it obvious that a potter has a perfect right has a perfect right to shape one lump of clay into a vase for holding flowers and another into a pot for cooking beans God created you and it's unique and it's wonderful and so the reality is as a body of Christ then when you understand that about yourself then you understand that about those sitting next to you. And then honor begins to rise up because you now not only accept you're created, but you accept they're created. And you can become their hero, helping them align themselves up with the true purpose God created them to be. So John accepted he was uniquely created for a specific person purpose. Here's the second realization of John the Baptist, that he realized he was called of God. He was called of God. This story shows us when he, when he grew up, he knew he was called from the day he was born. His mother and dad talked to him about this call. Luke chapter 1, verse 13 through 16, is talking to John's dad. Watch this. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, six months pregnant, mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. What was his call? To turn people to Jesus. John wrote about this in his book, the book of John, John 1, 19 through 23. Now this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, 
Who are you? (laughs) He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? That we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. John realized he was called by God and he was here to do a particular thing. Parents, I want you to look, grandparents, I want you to really hear this when you are with your children or grandchildren. All of us must realize not only that you are created uniquely and have a purpose in this life, but you are also called by God. You're also called. You're created uniquely and you're called. So the question is, what qualifies us to do what God has called us to do? Is it because you're a tither? Is it a diploma? Is it a license? How about a degree? Does that qualify you to be called? I believe what qualifies us as a believer is God's calling. So what? Okay, listen, listen to what I'm going to say. I'm not qualified to do anything that I do. I'm not qualified to do this. I have college education, a lot of different training, discipleship, all the above. I'm in the Word every day. I journal, read through the Bible many times. So many of us have worked so hard accomplishing so much, and it's good. We have honed our skills. We have done so many great things. And, but none, none of that, everything that we've ever done to qualify us, none of that has qualified us Holy Spirit's talking here. Okay, I got to pause here. The struggle in our culture is titles. In other words, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this. In our culture, in our cities here, um, culturally, uh, Hispanic, you, you name it, Culturally, um, titles are big, but your title doesn't qualify you for God's call. Titles are important, folks. Understand that. God gave people titles, apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, helper, you know, different body gifts. He gave titles. But there's something behind every title, and it's God's call. I am qualified because I was called by God to do it. I'm not like so-and-so or that person over there. I don't do it like that person. But I am qualified to do what I do because God called me to do it. And if you, when you understand you're created uniquely and then you begin to understand you're called of God and what you're called to do, then what you do is you focus on that and all these distractions around, all the stuff, all the, the abuse of life and everything doesn't distract you from who you are and what you're called to do. It doesn't. But how many of you can be honest with me? You don't need to raise your hands or say amen or whatever. Have found your li- in your life through the years, you've been so distracted by someone else not being what you want them to be, all the different things. And and you're not like me. You're not, you know, I don't want 
people, watch closely, I know there's a scripture here. I don't want people to be like me. I want people to be like what God created me to be. And I want them not to do my purpose. I want them to do God's purpose because God called you too. That's why we do church as a team. That's why I do that. That's why sometimes, let me just say it to you. In my call, in most cases, I could do this better than someone else. But because what I'm called to do, I back away many times and help someone else do it. Not because I'm lazy. You ask my family, you ask my wife, yes, whoever that really knows me. I am not lazy. I work hard and I work hard to live the life God created me to be and to live the call that God gave me to the utmost. But it's about others. I am qualified because I was called by God to do it. It's a huge difference that when you understand that. You are no different than John either. You are called. God has something specific for you that he has uniquely created you and called you to do. And, and so right away we go into, oh, I'm going to be a quarterback. I'm going to be this. I'm gonna be this. It's all about pointing. Watch this, realization. Pointing people to Christ. Does your life point others to Christ? When you go in and, and a, a restaurant or go wherever you go, do you go in there blindly or deaf, not listening to the Holy Spirit of what he's asking you to do at that moment now? Remember the word now? Now. Leading people to Christ. Praying for the sick. Right there in the middle of the mall or in a restaurant. I mean, bottom line, in the middle of the restaurant. <laughs> Basically, do you know Jesus? Then the next question, how do you want that meat cooked? You're in life, but you're focused on the call. The Godhead, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit has a destiny plan for you. And listen very closely, it's not an event. The difficulty of churches today is everything's an event. You work towards it, you do it, and pfft, it's done. Life, it's about a life called by God that you work towards it, you do it, and it continues. The anointing continues. This is the move of God the next seven years. Everything you do, it's not an event. It is that you are moving through what God is doing. And in the process of after the thing you do, there's still things happening. Because God is going to prosper and bring in the harvest of your prayers and everything that God's called you to do. Dr. Mila has prophesied over this and the Holy Spirit has spoken to me all this week and I know that I know that I know of what God has called us to do. It will be accomplished. It's done. The Holy Spirit says in your call, you are living among people that need Jesus. You are working around people that need Jesus. And he has to show God's love and care to them. That's what he said to John. Now, was he strange? Yeah. Crazy John. Johnny B. Now, I want you to understand this. You are planted into where you're at to preach the gospel. Wherever you're at, if you like it or don't like it, you are there to preach the gospel to live the life of the kingdom. 
to minister kingdom life. Matthew 11, 11, Jesus said, John the Baptist was greatest. Watch this. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So what's he saying? It's not an event. John the Baptist, hero! Oh, look at our hero. Wish I could be like the hero. No, you're, you're the hero. It continues in you. And if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, in due time, he will raise you up. When you understand you're created uniquely, you understand that you're called, then one day, waiting on the Lord, remember the song? Waiting on the Lord. Not, oh God, if you do. No, you're waiting on the Lord. You're living the life and you're planting seed day after day after day. In that offering uh, box right over there, there is an envelope that, that I put money in it and I wrote the word seed. Because it's not just an event. I gave hallelujah like the Pharisees. Amen. Is I gave and there's seed. There's other things that can take place because I gave and I planted. And if you will plant your call, you plant who you are, created to be, you will accomplish so much. You will change so many lives. Now, not because you want to change him, because God will use you to point him to Christ and God will change him. But the church doesn't get it. And because they don't get it, when they leave the church, they don't have that passion of going out and winning the world for Jesus. Every one of you are created uniquely. Every one of you are called by God. Why? To point people to Christ. If you're a lawyer, whatever you are, you're called to lead people to Christ. John did great things, but you have a call with the ability to do greater things. Did you hear that? You will never be fulfilled until you fulfill your calling. Never will. So many people in this world are seeking, who am I and why am I here? They don't know because they don't seek the one who calls them. They don't seek the one who created them. The only way anybody finds their real purpose, their real identity, is they seek Christ. So invest your lives into the kingdom of God. Ephesians 4.16 says, From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. See, when we all, watch this, I was there too. When we all get this, you know what's going to happen? People are going to flock to the church. And we're all on the same team to build his kingdom by sharing our lives calling. Jesus loves them and cares for them. So let me just tell you just a little bit of, of how we need to understand this. There are a lot of my peers that teach and equip their church because they want to build a big church. They want to build this Huge, humongous, okay? So everybody, 100% of the church, you just faithful, 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 church, 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 every day, get in church. Listen to this, give this, give this, sell your property, give all the different things. And there's nothing wrong with faithfulness because we're supposed to be faithful. We're supposed to. Multiplicity of times attend church, to be in church, to fellowship, Go to Bible studies, be disciple. All these things are right. But to function and lead the church, statistics show only about 20% can really move into that realm to minister Christ, to, to cause the, the function like the worship team and different aspects of the church. But 80% of the church is supposed to do the same thing outside the church. Come to church, be equipped, be taught, be loved on, love people, 
uh, let your gifts be shown, tithe, gives, uh, plant seed, all the different things. We should do that more often. But the reality is, is the difficulty is we don't go outside the church because the, my peers are telling stay inside the church. It's an evil world out there. God so loved the world that he gave him his son. I hate the world. I hate, no, no, that's not. What? No. God so loved the world, and we need to go out and not be so, I'll say it this way, and then we'll move on. Holy Spirit's moving, folks. I want you to understand, he is. He's transitioning things right now in our own lives. Our, our homes will be different. Our businesses will be different. What, what God is trying to really let us see in this series is, I got this thing. You trust in me that I'm your creator, and I called you. I got this. I got, I got your children and children's children covered. Amen? The difficulty is, is when we don't understand that. We don't get that. And because we don't get that, we're always backing away, trying to keep everything okay around us. Safe place. Church is not a spectator sport. It is a participator sport. You're on the team, 100%. 100% here, you're on the same team. But we all differently do things. 80% of you are to be out there sweeping the world, putting them in your dustpan, and bring them to church. Amen. I'm your pastor. Everywhere I go, this is, this is me. Beep, beep, beep. Hurt person. Beep, beep, beep. Needs healing. Beep, beep, beep. Needs salvation. Needs a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beep. Oh, marriage problems. I'll let someone else talk to him. No, just kidding. <laughs> I don't want you getting too serious with me, but I want you to recognize that the Holy Spirit is really bringing this to you. I'm going to go a little bit quicker because of time. But 2 Timothy 1.9 in the Living Bible says, It is he who saved us and chose us for his holy work, not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan long before the world began, to show his love and kindness to us through Christ. Ephesians 4.1, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Your primary ministry is being an ambassador for Jesus Christ. I know you're a lawyer. I know you're a supervisor. I, I know you work at McDonald's. I know all that stuff. But your primary ministry is being an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Jesus loves me is what makes sense if you really look at it. So here's the third thing John realized. John was consumed. John was consumed. John 2.17 says, Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. Zeal for your house has eaten me up. It literally means consumed. So here's the picture. Jesus was eaten up with the message that he had to, to redeem mankind. So he died. John the Baptist was consumed with one thought. He pointed people to Jesus. I'm thinking, what are we consumed with now? John was not distracted. He was focused. He did a lot of things, and to many, he did a lot of things weird. I've eaten locusts, and it's not bad. Of course, there was chocolate around it, but I ate locusts. (laughs) 
but I will not wear camel skin. Mark 1, verse 7 says, And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He was consumed with that. John 1.29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He knew he was created uniquely. That's why he was able to do what he did. He was created in such a unique way. And then he was called. And in that reality of that God created him, that he was called by God, which allowed him to do what he did. He was consumed with it. Every aspect of his life was consumed. You're out there, you're working, you're on the baseball field, the soccer field, you go to the grocery store, you go in the restaurant, you go on vacation, you live life. But what we learned from John is that he needed to be consumed with these two things. Again, created by God and called by God. And if you're consumed with these, then every place you will set your foot will be yours. God will use you in a unique way. Some of you may water, some of you may plant. Some of you will reap the harvest, but we all do this together. So let's stand. So this is what you're consumed with. I am uniquely created with purpose to do great things for his kingdom. I am called by God. But I'm consumed in all the great things, God, you have planned me to accomplish. And I am consumed, humbly understand that it's not me, it's my obedience to Jesus Christ because it's about him. Everything I do is my passion is to point people to Christ. At the club working out, on the golf course, in my home, in my family, in the grocery store, <clears throat> on the freeway, everything that I'm called to do. And when you get this, understand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking to anybody that's dumb. I'm talking to smart, wonderful people who have busted your behinds doing great things. You have faced tribulation. You have faced the hardest times that you would even dream you would face. But you rose up because you knew you were created by God. And you rose up because you knew, hallelujah, that you're called of God. And you can have the testimony of people who didn't become like you, but became like the Christ that is in you. Can I pray for you? Father, thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the moving of God that is now in Jesus' name. I proclaim that the anointing of God would flow in such a unique way in individual people here corporately, and we will see the result in our world, our cities. 
we will see the transformational move of God when before it looked like the enemy had control. Satan, you are a liar and a deceptive thief. And I bind you up right now and I loose the created beings of God who are called of God to do great things in this world. And they will be heroes to people. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Give the Lord an applause, amen. God bless you. Bible studies tonight at six o'clock. Have a great, great week.